When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to another episode of In the Pen, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, a podcast about relievers. I'm your host, Cal Nussler, joined as always by Rick Graham and Jay Crumpler. And first off, I hope everybody had a happy and healthy 4th of July to those who celebrate it. Hopefully you get to spend some time with family, friends, however it was you celebrate. Guys, how was your holiday, holiday week, weekend, however you were to celebrate it? Uh, mine was good, very chill, very relaxing, didn't... Uh do all too much outside of take over a podcast uh this weekend with yeah. jake which was pretty fun yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's right we were uh we took over on the wire it was a podcast takeover it was pretty cool sad to not have cal in there but it was great to uh get to talk to rick twice in one week don't often get to do that but yeah my i got a few days off from work got the monday and tuesday off so that was nice uh caught up on sleep watched some baseball took it easy but Time to get back to work and uh, analyze some relief pitchers. Yeah, I'm surprised you can actually stand talking to Rick more than once a week. I barely put up with the <laughs> one time a week that we have to do this. But no, it sounded like a lot of fun. Disappointed I got to miss it. But with this episode, we are going to be excited about the All-Star game. You know, it's always uh, we're about the unofficial halfway point in the season, a little bit more of a halfway game wise. But, you know, that's how the baseball season celebrates. So we're about the halfway point. So we want to look at who made the all-star team kind of predict who say who we should have made it because we, let's face it there's some questionable decisions made kind of highlight the the guys who earn their spots and also some under the radar names that you're going to monitor i continue to be down to the second half of the season but as always we'll start off some news and notes because we actually have a lot to cover at this point and we'll get into the, the big trade of this past week in a little bit but we'll start as always with the injuries we got very excited. Daniel Hudson was activated from the 60-day IL after ACL injury. He got a save within his first week back. And all was going to be right. All of us talking about how he was going to get saves for the Dodgers was going to go well. And then he got placed on the 15-day IL about an hour before we recorded the show with a sprained right MCL on his opposite knee as he had the ACL surgery. So we go back to that same question we've had about the Dodgers all season. Does this automatically go back to Evan Phillips' job? Is this a committee with Bruce Argraderall who's dealing with an injury of his own? What's your guys' readout in LA? Uh, it's definitely bad luck and tough news for Daniel Hudson that, I mean, yeah, to come back and then within the same, within one week to go on the IL with the other knee being injured. I mean, that's, that's horrible luck. And yeah, I think this just opens things up for Phillips more. Like you said, Gratterall's dealing with an injury. Um, Caleb Ferguson hasn't been pitching as well as he was in the first, you know, month or so of the season. So I, I think this really just keeps you know Phillips uh, in line to be the primary closer for the rest of the year, unless they go out and trade someone. 
or something. Or or they turn things over to Bruce Ark Radderall, which uh, no. would fulfill all of my destinies uh, for this season. Yeah, it's uh, that's pretty unfortunate. I was writing up the injuries for this week, and I put Daniel Hudson in there because I go in reverse order. So I put Daniel Hudson in there, activated from the 60-day IL ACL surgery on his left knee. And I was like, okay, great. Yeah, we get to talk about Daniel Hudson being back. He's probably been pretty solid. And then I get back up to today, and it's like, oh, you sprained the MCL in your other knee. And I was, I, I couldn't believe it. That's so unfortunate. That's got to be j- just a terrible feeling to not only make it all the way back from that injury, but then to do something bad with your other on the other knee. Like it, it's something if it happens to the same knee where you're just like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I already hurt that knee, but to happen to the other knee, it's like, bro, you got to get your knees checked out. But uh, it's, it's very res- reminiscent of like Mike Soroka recently, but super unfortunate. Um, I, it will be interesting to see if he does make it back to baseball um, just because he is pretty old. And now we'll have like two straight seasons of more like a, a year and a half of, of not seeing him. So that will be something interesting to watch. But yeah, it's uh, definitely leaves the late innings open for Phillips to maintain his role and for Gratterall to uh, be the second in, in command there. I always get not excited when it gets some injury news, but if you go into the Discord, it's always a race to see who posts via the tweet in the MLB tweets channel. The news we have a whole thing just of news with tweets. Always Rick. I always, I always try and get one fast. I always want to be the first one. I get in there, and of course, Rick has it immediately. <laughs> or Dan, another member of our PL Plus Discord, always has this first of those news. So it always hurts them. I, I really thought I was going to be the first person to put that in, but tough news out in LA. We'll see how this impacts their trade deadline plans if they go and get somebody. But as of now, you make sure Evan Phillips is rostered because he'll likely continue his position, especially with, like we said, uh, Gratterall dealing with his own injury at this point. The only other injury that took place this week, Joe Kelly was placed on the 15-day IL with elbow information. He's been playing boot pitching well for the White Sox pen, kind of getting the ball to the back end of Graveman, Hendricks, whoever it was at the time. And it was probably going to be a popular trade target at the trade deadline. And we talked about it at this point, but what impact does this have for the white Sox for fantasy? Does anybody uh, move up in your eyes or not really? Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely hurts the white Sox. just from a, they were going to probably get a nice piece for him at the deadline. Um, I think as far as the hierarchy there goes, it's still a little bit in flux at the moment. Uh, Aaron Bummer was pitching really well until today. He let up five earned and I think a third of an inning. Um, so I, I think Kendall Graveman's st- still going to get a lot of opportunities, but the the best reliever in that bullpen is uh, Kenyon Mid- Middleton right now. I think I, mm-hmm. I I think that's kind of clear at the moment. But in th- Hendricks, William Hendricks is going on a he, he's throwing. I don't know if he's going on a um, rehab assignment yet, but he should be back very shortly after the the All Star break. Yeah, and he'll he'll probably take over the the role after that. I'm pretty excited to see him back. This bullpen just keeps getting decimated. I remember when we rated the top ten bullpens in baseball, and this was one that you put on there. I, wanna, I, I didn't put take on that there. Back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's just so many names here that you would expect to do well, and those aren't the names that are doing well. Graveman's been fine, and I like what Gregory Santos has been doing, and Keenan Middleton has been pretty great underratedly. But it's really not all come together, and injuries have been a big part of it. Whenever somebody does come back and look like they're going to be a big part of the bullpen, they get injured. So that's been unfortunate. But yeah, Joe Kelly having an underrated year, uh, mostly because. It's 
all of his success relies in resides in his FIP numbers. So it's not his actual performance. So that's been unfortunate. But I think the biggest uh, blow is to the his trade value, which was probably going to be pretty sky high at this deadline. He has one more year of control, but it's a club option. So that's that's pretty enticing for teams that they're not locked into that extra year of control if they don't want to. And I, I think he would have been a pretty good addition to a team. I'm sure he's still going to get traded, but there's going to be that reduced price because of this injury, especially because it's an elbow injury. Yeah, I'm very interested to see what the White Sox do. We know they have... Uh Explored the opportunity to explore the option of potentially training Liam Hendricks. I wonder if that will be a move they make. We'll get into it in another episode at a later point of kind of the uh, movers and shakers, the relievers we see kind of switching uh, teams over the next couple of weeks. But they're going to be a team to monitor closely. And Kelly's just another one to add to that list. Speaking of trades, let's get into the big trade that took place over this past week. We've been talking for the past two months about Araldus Chapman and Scott Barlow being on the move. Well, the first domino has fallen. Araldus Chapman was traded to the Texas Rangers in exchange for pitcher Cole Reagans and Ronnie Cabrera. We've seen early on that Chapman's kind of gotten the ball to Will Smith, but what's your guys' read out now in Texas? Does Chapman have the ability to take this job from Will Smith? Does he Is he a favorite now for Texas? What's your current read for that bullpen? I don't think he's a favorite now. I mean, Smith hasn't done anything to lose the job yet. I do think it does. It boosts Chapman's value a little bit because he's going to a better team. But it's it's at the end of the day, it's he's kind of in the same spot where he, he's going to be a, one of the top setup man, setup setup options there. And I I, I think Smith's pretty got a pretty comfortable uh like hold on that that closer job, especially given. You know his Bruce Bochy connection, and just you know how how well he's trusted him since the beginning of the season, pretty much. So, I think it would take Smith, you know, a couple blow ups from Smith to get Chapman into that closer role. Yeah, do you think he's the first man up if Will Smith does go down? Because they do have Josh Spores as well. Yeah, I still think Chapman would be the next man up. Uh, speaking of Josh Spores, I'm watching him implode right now, and I don't like Oof. it. But it is against the <laughs> yeah. Red Sox, so sure. Did he implode earlier this week as well? Yeah, he, he's been getting roughed up lately. Oh, no, uh, not our boy. I know. Well, yeah, at least they at least they brought uh, Chapman in there. It really makes that bullpen super deep because yeah. I already thought they had a pretty solid relief core, and now adding Chapman in it in there is just makes it pretty deadly. As much as I dislike Chapman and dislike the idea of any team going out to acquire him it from a baseball standpoint it's really smart this is one of the few weaknesses of the team was the bullpen they could use some starting pitching depth but that's beside the point of our podcast in general <laughs> um but uh, Araldis Chapman yeah I think a great addition to that bullpen he's been incredible this year it's been sort of cool <laughs> like I said I don't want to root for him but it's been sort of cool to see him get back to being a old, uh, old Araldis Chapman uh 43% strikeout rate 2.30 ERA uh there's definitely that possibility of him taking over the closer role in the second half especially if Will Smith continues to I don't know fade a little bit like I, he's just not been as dominant as I felt like he was earlier in the year, but there is that Bruce Bochy, Bochy connection where he he sort of boys with Will Smith. I, I don't think he's gonna <laughs> let Aralis Chapman just overtake him. He, he's new to the club. He's gotta he's gotta prove himself first. Yeah, and Will Smith did take the loss on Monday against Houston with two runs and three hits in one inning of relief and a 12-1 loss. He did bounce back and get a final out on Tuesday to pick up the saves. So. 
we've seen Chapman, the pattern so far being Chapman to get Smith, but I would agree if Chapman's out there in any league for some reason, go get him. He's the next man up on a very, very good Texas Rangers team, and I expect him to at some point take the job. I like what Smith's done so far, but I don't think he's got the most secure hold on that job, so it wouldn't shock me if uh, if Chapman takes over at some point. We had another trade, and I'm wondering if there's any fantasy implications there. Mariners traded Trevor Gott to the York Mets the, in exchange for with Crix Flexen coming along before they decided to DFA him. And then the Mariners in exchange got Zach McKernan, a prospect. I apologize if <laughs> I butchered the last name, but does this have any fantasy implication? Is any interest for holds for Trevor God or no, not really. Uh, it's a little bit, it's not as deep a bullpen in uh, New York as it is in Seattle. So there's a chance he, he works himself into some sort of secondary setup uh, role, but there's still that th- the three, the three guys in front of him, Brooks Raley, Adam Ottavino and David Robertson are, are going to get the bulk of the saves and holds for, for, for them. Yeah, and then Edwin Diaz will be back later, so there mm-hmm. there will be few high leverage options or opportunities for Gott. Uh, it's definitely more of a, a depth move because the Mets were employing a very shallow bullpen, and they've been sort of struggling with that all year, just find guy, finding guys to fill out the front end of the bullpen, and I think Gott definitely helps there. He's not been great this year. He's sort of just been serviceable. He's pretty solid in CSW, around 33% overall, which make, which places him 50th amongst relievers. He's also around 50th in walk rate as well, in the low 6%. So good control, which uh, I not something that he really had in the past. So it's c- cool to see him you know, control those walks a little bit. But yeah, I don't think this is going to be fantasy impactful in really any sense he already has seven holds this year and i don't foresee that number rising too much nope i wouldn't agree it's just some good depth for a team who's uh had some bullpen issues at times but i would agree i don't think it's going to be any move you want to make it wouldn't even shock me if they go for a bigger reliever for the next couple of weeks we'll run we'll Power through these next couple moves. Jorge Lopez activated from the 15 day IL for the Minnesota Twins. He was on it for mental health reasons. Let's hope he can find back his 2022 first half form. Any interest in him at this point? Um, not at this point. No, I think there's you know other options in that bullpen with Griffin Jackson and Giovanni Moran um, behind um, Yoan Duran. So I, I think. Lopez isn't really in the mix. He, I mean, he could easily work his way back into the mix pretty, pretty quickly, I think. But for now, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really monitoring this. Yeah, I, I, this is sort of going to be similar to that the Daniel Bard move in the sense that he was also dealing with mental health issues, and they really have eased him back into the bullpen this year, not really putting him in any safe situations or high leverage situations. And I think they'll do that do that for Lopez because the Twins are in first place right now, so they're going to be relying on Lopez being one of the key members of the bullpen in the pennant race and into the postseason if they do end up making it so i think they want to make sure that he's as confident as possible when the games really start to count the most yeah i would agree i think there's some interest and we saw what he's done so we know he can be viable obviously you don't pick him up at this point duran has a pretty good stranglehold on that job but it wouldn't shock me if he regains some form where if you're looking for holds he can be someone who uh who you want to roster 
Uh, next one, Tom Cosgrove activated 15 DIL with a ham from after a hamstring strain. Jose Clark activated from 15 DIL dealing with an ankle sprain. Matt Bush was released after being DFA'd. Brian Hudson recalled from the minors. He had a really good season so far in AAA, 1.83 RA, 39% K rate. And Dylan Coleman recalled from the minors for the Royals. Any of these moves, something that is worth really getting into? Any, anybody you are putting on a watch list because of that? Um, Cosgrove was looking really good before the injury. He, he He's actually, I mean, given how, given how the, the depth of that, Padres bullpen, he could very well become a setup man in short order for them. So uh, Cosgrove's interesting. Leclerc was pitching well before he went on the aisle as well. But like you said, I mean, we've already talked about Chapman being an addition there. So it um, might take a while for him to work his way back in a high leverage, a high leverage spot. And Dylan Coleman's always been someone I've always, I've liked, but he's struggled this year. And, um, you know, if the Royals do end up moving on from Scott Barlow, we could look at, you know, Coleman might be a factor for saves in the second half if it's not Carlos Hernandez. Yeah, he, he was definitely one of the guys that you liked. And I think it was last year. He, he was pretty solid. Uh, but yeah, Cosgrove coming back pretty interesting because we've talked uh, sort of extensively about how rough that Padres bullpen has been not in terms of really performance like partially performance but also just a lot of injuries and underperformance from the big guys there so Cosgrove is looking like one of the top setup options there right now he's performing really well 0.89 ERA he's given up just two runs this year across 20 and a third innings and uh, I thought Brian Hudson being recalled was pretty interesting he was up earlier this year, but he struggled in a very small sample, but he's been great at AAA. And while the numbers that Callan read, the 1.83 ERA comes with a four point or uh, 3.79 XFIP, it's almost a two run difference. He's been striking out a ton of batters, 39% strikeout rate. He doesn't walk too many guys, 10.3% there. So that's, that's really incredible. Really nice to see. You got to expect the Dodgers to do something good with him mm-hmm. considering their player development. And, you know, with one Hudson gone, you bring the other Hudson in and maybe he can sort of fill that same role. And I wouldn't say this, like the bullpen is solid, but like the guys ahead of him, all have terrible ERAs. Vasia 7.58 ERA, Ryan Brazier 5.83, Phil Bickford 5.82, and then then you're into the high leverage inning. So he could be the the third setup option there pretty quickly if he can carry over that AAA performance. Yeah, I mean, anytime the Dodgers call somebody up, you're going to be interested. And we've talked enough over the past few weeks of them not exactly having the secure closer or Phillips right now is it but you know how confident are we really in uh, Evan Phillips long term so it'll be interesting and uh, he's definitely a name that I'm circling as a just keeping on the watch list but I do like the Jose Leclerc call I, you know I hope he can be something because we we're kind of I was a little bit interested in before the season but like I said with Chapman coming in that kind of puts him to a, a holds guy but at least any holds for a team in first place like the Rangers is a uh, is worth mentioning on to the risers and followers this past week has been uh, you know, very interesting. We've kind of alluded at some of them to start the show. But Rick, let's go with you. The initial uh, riser and ranks this week. I'll go with Evan Phillips, who's been on a tear lately. Um, you know, he, he went 40 days without a save and now had as five over the past two weeks. So um, and then with the injury to Daniel Hudson, too. 
it, it really kind of we, we are solidifying him as, as the only closer there um, for the time being. So unless the Dodgers go out and make a move, Phillips has a pretty strong hold on on the closer role. And I think he'll rise even more next week because of partially because of the Hudson injury and partially just because of how well he's pitched uh, pitched lately. Yeah, and the Dodgers continue to unfortunately be be a team that wins ball games and that's always conducive to saves and holds. So I, I think he'll continue to grab saves and holds there. I don't think their schedule is too difficult. I mean, is it, it it's probably gonna be pretty hard to move up the list with few games next week, is what I'd expect. Yeah. Um not too many games in between your next uh yeah but uh definitely is somebody that's going to be solid throughout the second half unless the dodgers make some big addition that allows phillips to be used in more of a high leverage role but that will be a topic for a, a future podcast uh, once we get closer to the trade deadline yes yeah, so, i mean he's been we talked about at the beginning of the show but with all the injuries and in dodgers they don't have and struggles of other relievers like i said brazier and vesia ferguson it's clearly Evan Phillips' role. How much longer is that? We don't know. We can't say for sure with all the moves that could be coming over the next few weeks. It's something worth monitoring, like you said. But while he's doing this, there's no reason for him not to be rostered. We know the Dodgers are a very, very good team, and he'll get a lot of saves at this point. So I think he's a definitely an easy riser over from this past week. Jake, move over to you. Who is uh, your biggest riser? well rick left me pete fairbanks thank god my guy (laughs) Uh, the the unfortunate part is pete hasn't even pitched since our last podcast he hasn't pitched since the day before our last podcast so it's it's been a while since we've seen him but what that does suggest though is that they're saving him for save situations only and in that they're not only limiting his workload, which will hopefully keep him healthy throughout the year but that sort of says this is our closer we're only using him in closing situations, which I wish some teams would do that with the guys that are terrible outside of safe situations, Kimbrel, uh, Jansen, the, those, those guys. Um, but yeah, that, that seems to be what they're doing with Fairbanks. There's not much to talk about performance wise since he hasn't pitched in the last week, but been solid throughout the year. The strikeouts haven't really been there, but it, it hasn't really stopped him from pitching to a 1.65 ERA. And he does seem to be the guy that's going to get all of these save opportunities when they do arise. He, he didn't pitch today and uh it was a I know oh, it was a, I don't know I've been at I'm work. not I, he might not no I don't know it was a one it was a one uh one one tie in the ninth I wasn't sure if he he did pitch okay so yeah it's first time pitching but he did he did work the ninth inning in a, in a one one game so it's that's your closer spot so that's a, okay. it's good to see yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, it's Pete Fairbanks, something we've always been a fan of. The struggles that's from Jason Adam. He's a, a pretty good, good riser. I'm hoping we can do some more victory laps on him. I know he hasn't pitched in about a week, and yes. uh, I'm not sure if he pitched uh, as we're recording this in the uh, latest loss for Tampa Bay, but um, you know, he's, he's a clear guy and a first place, very good team. At the, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, I was gonna say even at the, at this point last year he was not really anybody we were thinking of. So it's there's still yeah. plenty of time for for him to break out. He went crazy in the second half. Yeah, yeah. I hope we can take that victory lap uh, very soon. It's gonna be we will very much enjoy that. My big riser from the past week: two for two and save opportunities. It's a clear closer on the opposite of a good team, a not so good team. It's the Washington Nationals, but it's Hunter Harvey. He continues to take this job and run with it. Like I said, two 
two very easy one, two, three innings since our last recording. He got save on uh, the Wednesday, last Wednesday against Seattle. It's his job. How much longer? I don't know. How many save opportunities are really going to come from the Washington Nationals? Again, I can't really say, but when it's a guy who has a clear closer job for however long it may be, unless he gets tripped out at the deadline, he's definitely deserves to be rising. I think, uh, you know, he's got the lights out stuff. You go to his pitcher list page. It's all bright red, extremely hard, fast, fast, fastball, uh, but good CSW. So a lot of good things to like from Hunter Harvey and a name we've been touting throughout this entire season. So it's nice to see him take this job, run with it for however long it may be. So I think it's another good reason to mention Hunter Harvey this week. Yeah, he's been not only racking up saves lately, but he hasn't allowed a run uh, over his last six plus innings, I believe. Um, you know, until over the today uh, until yeah, I have not caught up to today. I'm caught. yeah, he got a blunt. He he, he oh, lost. There the it is. Them. Well, yeah. before that, the good stuff. The good <laughs> news was he was tied for the league lead in saves over the past two weeks. So yeah, I, I mean, I, he's not gonna have an ERA under two or two five. He's gonna have a couple, you know, meltdowns here and there. But he's still the best reliever in that bullpen and that team as bad as that team is they have won 30 what five games this year so they're they're not completely you know they're not the oakland a's so there's there's chances for saves Whoa. there i know that i had to, I had to do you that you could say like the royals <laughs> or something i mean there are teams that are just as bad as the a's um yeah it's uh it, it looks like it's gonna be harvey's job which we 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 all love to say we all love to see it's been uh uh, a long year of us hoping and praying for Harvey to take over that role. And now we can finally say that a hundred percent certain that he's the closer in Washington. Yes. And that's something that puts a smile to all our faces, but as people join in the ranks, they move up. We're going to have our followers. So Rick, who's a name that's week has not been as fortunate as those last three guys. Yeah. Again, this is another kind of another tough week of trying to pick, um, fallers or anyone who went down the list really so i mean i'll i'll go with kendall graveman because uh, we kind of talked about the white Sox situation earlier but um first of all graveman has not pitched well lately he's uh he actually I, unless he had a save since the last time i uh since last since this tuesday he has zero saves since um liam hendricks went on the IL originally while allowing five earned runs and five walks. So he has not been pitching well since Hendricks went back on the IL. Um, he's probably the most likely though to stay. If, if the White Sox do end up selling pieces, he's the only one with any sort of term past this year outside of, I think Aaron bummer. So um, there's hope there that he might, be the closer after the trade deadline but i think once if liam Hendricks comes back and stays on the team there's really no reason to to roster graveman at this point um i wouldn't count i wouldn't count on Hendricks being traded so i think i would just move on from graveman at this point i think i think he's safe to drop in most leagues now and if you want to take a chance on someone there i, I would just i would rather go with keenan middleton anyway so um yeah i'm just kind of out on graveman he was getting a little bit lucky in the first two months of the season and it's you know the luck's turned around on him yeah i that seems pretty 
early to just go dropping him right away while it still seems like he has the closer job. Uh, I, I totally understand all your points, but I, I would be a little bit uh, more uh, can't think of the word that I want to use there. Um, <laughs> cautious. But I, no. Yeah. Uh. I, I, the opposite of cautious sort of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like uh, I, I would want to hold on to him longer because I would want to be, be safer there uh, just to make sure, sure that he, he's still the closer because I mean, in, in most leagues, uh, mostly deeper leagues, it's sometimes it doesn't even really matter how good the guy's pitching. Even if he's just like yeah. pretty all right, like for ERA that can still be really valuable as long as he's providing saves and we haven't really seen anybody take over yet. So I, I would sort of be wary of dropping him super early. Um, like preemptively uh, because you never know how good he could be in the second half. But yeah, there, there's the possibility like Liam Hendricks is going to come back. We don't know if he's going to be traded. I think there's so much uncertainty here that I, I would want to be uh, a little careful with dropping him too early. Yeah, I definitely think we can all agree. Don't start him at this point. He's been struggling, may lose a job, but like Rick said, he maybe he gets the job when the White Sox clean house, but then again, who knows if the White Sox will actually clean house because that would actually be making a decision that's smart for your franchise, and we haven't exactly seen them make the, the smartest moves uh, over the past few years, but um, hope, you know, so hold it, stash him, but then again, it's a possible setup man for a bad White Sox team, so how long do you really want to hold on to him? So I wouldn't blame if you drop him, I wouldn't blame if you want to hold on to him, but I think we all agree, you don't start him at this point. He's been that that bad oh jake over to you who's your biggest faller from the past week oh the word i was thinking of was conservative conservative there we go yeah i don't know why it took us so long to think about that (laughs) yeah um i'm gonna stay in chicago and move to the national league and talk about adbear azale and while i'm not dropping him anywhere it's he finally faltered for the first time in a while we've seen him have a couple uh minor blowups throughout the year, but earlier this week he had back-to-back outings where he either earned the loss or blew a save. In each of those, he allowed at least two runs. Both of them were two runs exactly, actually, but he did recover and earn a save on Wednesday, so that was nice to see him bounce back. Um, but yeah, I think it's clear that, you know, still a young pitcher, 28, he, he doesn't have the same stability that all of the other uh, long-time or at least uh, most dominant closers in baseball seem to have and so there there is that uncertainty like okay yeah Azale's luck could fade a little bit and while I still have confidence that he's going to be the main guy for saves there Mark Leiter continues to pitch pretty well and uh we if Azale falters more so more than outside of those two outings then it could be pretty unfortunate going forward but yeah I, I wouldn't say he's falling too far but definitely he's not uh putting himself in contention for the top 10 anytime soon Right when I'm getting on board with uh, Alzali as joining the bandwagon as someone who I was interested in, he starts to have this sort of performance. We've seen the Cubs be very willing to uh, to make the switch quickly, and I wouldn't shock me if they do that with Albert Alzali. So um, we'll see. I think there's a you know, he can get the job but again. I don't think he's anyone that's extremely worth rostering uh, at this point. Rick, anything you want to add about Alzali or? It's it's another interesting situation, similar to you know the other Chicago team, where I I think are, are we expecting the Cubs to be sellers at the deadline, or I mean I I, I think they won't move on from 
yeah, I don't I don't think they'd move on from Alzale for sure. I don't think they would move on from Lighter either, but some of those other pieces might move and create some some changes to that bullpen and maybe they start looking to the future and you know Jeremy Estrada gets called up and they finally give him some high leverage work in the in September maybe. I don't know. Things could change there. They really haven't wanted seemed willing to commit to any closer so far this season, so it's still it's been frustrating, but um, I still think Alzali is the best option to roster here. It's just, it's yeah, it's just been frustrating to you know two saves in June, two saves in May. He's struggled the first two two outings in July so far. So we'll, we'll see. We'll have a we should have a better read closer to the trade deadline on you know what happens long term here. Yeah, and the final faller for me and for the ranks, it's David Robertson. Just as the Mets continue to struggle, it's another, you know, we're starting to see him get into those, uh, you know, higher leverage non save situations. Um, trying to pull up the game log as we speak. But, uh, yeah, it's, he's been, it's been a, it's been a struggle for him. He has picked up two straight saves since we've now recording. So maybe he's getting himself back on track on Tuesday and Wednesday. But again, he picked up the loss on Friday against San Francisco. He pitched in a, you know, high leverage, trying to hold on to the lead against San Francisco. Now he's got two straight saves. Maybe he's back on track, but it's another reminder of the Mets possibly getting another piece at the deadline. I don't know if it'll compete with Robertson for save there. I got Trevor got, but wouldn't shock me if uh, they go on. It was tough to find a third uh, follower at this point, but we'll say David Robertson, but that has changed with uh, two straight saves now on Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, that's kind of, you You nailed it. That I mean, up until, so when, my, when I posted that article Tuesday morning, and up until Tuesday morning, he had one save since the end of May, so it was just, you know, it's partially the, um, you know, the Mets just struggling mightily in June and now they're playing well. Now they're playing well. So maybe we start to see more, more David Robertson saves. It's, it's, it was great, obviously, to see if you've been holding on to him for this long to see him finally kind of break out the last two days. So again, he's not someone I, he's someone I want to roster. It's just there's frustration because. It's a kind of a committee, and B the Mets trying to find saves, save opportunities for the relievers has been very hit or miss. Yeah, and so we'll see what happens with the Mets at this point. But those are our risers and fallers. Some of these guys may even make our All Star team selections. We'll take a quick break and we get back. We'll talk about who we sh- think should be on the All Star game rosters. We're not doing any. You know, every team has to be represented, everything like that. But we're kind of filling out our all-star bullpens at this point. We each pick six relievers, but we'll get into that and more when we get back on In the Pen. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. 
Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, let's talk about the All-Star game. We had some qualms about the rosters. A couple, you know, a couple people got on that shouldn't should have. There's some missing representation from the best bullpen in baseball at ERA. So I was New York Yankees that I'm somewhat upset by. But then when I did this exercise, mm-hmm. I realized, uh, well, maybe I'm not too upset about it. But <laughs> would have been would have been nice to see. But let's talk about who we would have on our All-Star bullpens. We'll start in the American League where. You know things have gotten fairly fairly right. So, uh, Rick, we'll let you just you know dive into the main guys. We not do too much, but any surprising names you want to dive in a little bit more to, you can. Yeah, that's. Good. I mean, we obviously we all have one. I think we have. We all have. We each picked two guys to represent the AL unanimously. Obviously, Felix Batista's one. I don't even think we really have to dive into that too much he's just been an absolute force this season i mean um yeah he obviously deserves it and then we we all picked yoan duran who isn't even on the all-star yeah. team yeah. but I, I i think you know for me the all-star game i would like to see someone like i want to see the yoan durans i want to see some guy who can come in throw 105 mm-hmm. break off a 100 mile per hour splitter I want to see that type of talent going against the best hitters, you know, in the in the other league. So, uh, and not just not just to say that Duran hasn't pitched well this year and isn't deserving. He has been pretty pretty great this year. Um, let's see, nineteen point six percent swing and strike rate, two point six eight xFIP. Uh, the saves have been a little hit or miss. The Twins team has kind of been, um, you know, struggling, but. Mm-hmm. I, I think Duran, I mean, over some of the other, like over Kenley Jansen, I would much rather yep. watch Yohan <laughs> Duran in the All-Star game. Yeah, definitely. I, I, that, that was one of the, the clearest person, the clearest uh, reliever that got into the All-Star game that probably shouldn't have been is Kenley. Yeah. He was oh, yeah. the only Red Sox uh, addition there. So that's probably the only argument he has. Yoshida there. And also, yeah, but also he has that sort of that legacy clause where, you know, he's a legend of the game. He's one of the best closers of all time of our generation. So mm-hmm. he gets that, that little boost there, but yeah, he seems to be the the one guy that we agree probably shouldn't have been in the all-star game. Um, Callan and I both had Alex Lang on yep. our ballots, but you did not have him. I mostly put Lang in there for that. Uh, what like every team has to have an all-star thing because the tigers had Michael Lorenzen and while I'm happy for him to get that all-star appearance, that's probably awesome. Uh, awesome feeling to have, but it's, uh, they sort of, I think they snubbed Alex Lang there. And while I don't think he may be among the best relievers in the American league, I do think he was probably the best option on his team. And he's been very solid this year, 3.89 year, a 12 saves, 29% strikeout rate, very solid numbers across the board, better than Lorenzen. So I think he should have been the option. Why, why don't you agree with us, Rick? Um, well, I wasn't going based off just like who's the best option per team. I was uh-huh. just so as far as Lang goes, I don't think he's one of the best six relievers in the American League. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why I didn't go with him. Um, but I, I do see your case. It's the it's it's been the Gregory so it's like the Gregory Soto Award. I think yeah. you name it. It's just like <laughs> whoever whoever the Tigers really closer is gets to go to the All Star Game each year. Um, yeah. They had to switch it up this year. Yeah, but yeah, Lorenzen was a shock to me too to see that. I mean, I was 
like yeah i know he's i know he's pitching well but uh okay um mm-hmm. lang yeah. probably does make more sense there but for this exercise i went more with you know who who i want to who i want to see in the game and who i want to see pitch <laughs> yeah that's fair there's always that one all-star that we look at and it's one of it's like the Lorenz in this year. The, for me, the one that stands out all of all time, Brian Lahair. That's just one when sure. you look back at old rosters, like wait, Brian <laughs> Lahair was an all star. There's always that one guy, and I feel like uh, Michael Lorenzen, unfortunately, may be that guy this year. But uh, continue to go through our American League rosters. You know the usual names. Jordan Romano made it on for Jake and I. I'm surprised he didn't exactly yeah. get on for for Ricks. Or, or on the actual roster. Or on the actual roster. Yeah. But yeah. then again, everyone's got to be represented. So, But you never know. With the starters who will probably be opting out over the next two or three days, we may see uh, one of these guys squeak on. But Yenye Kano makes it on for Rick and I. I'm surprised Jake didn't put him on his roster. Uh, Brian Abreu actually gets on for all three of us, which was kind of interesting. He goes into my uh, who category. is kind of the uh, out of the no guy. I kind of cheated on that <laughs> one, but I just couldn't. Yeah, we, so I would say the the who category is kind of like who is the Joe Mantiply or Andrew Kittredge of like that like no one really heard of but probably deserves the spot. Yeah, yeah, I probably cheated with my with Brian Abreu, but uh, yeah, I needed to put someone in, and it was getting close to showtime. So, like, yeah, Cheryl's put him there. Yeah, but, you were the only one to put Emmanuel Class A. I would I would like to hear a, mm-hmm. a case for him. He actually made the roster, but both Rick and I decidedly said uh, they were wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, I've watched his last outing, and it made me second guess kind of uh, his last <laughs> couple outings at this point. But yeah, I'm going off how you know standard all stars are chosen. He's got 24 saves. He's gonna he's on pace for 45 saves. I think probably close to leading the American League. And it's also, you know, I've no Cleveland's guys representative, but I just think that, um, you know, Class A save wise, he's still one of the top relievers in the league stuff wise. Similar to what we say, he's still got that cutter. You just want to see pitch, and uh, mm-hmm. as much as I, you know, it was it was a close call. It was another one that, you know, looking at your guys' rosters, someone I probably get put, but I kind of just wanted to see his stuff and think that better things are ahead, and wanted to reward him for that. Yeah, and uh, I. I- not really in a similar vein, but I, I went with Carlos Estevez and I was the only one to choose him, yeah. which I was honestly really surprised about because when I was going, I had uh, my personal podcast recorded yesterday and Estevez was one of the biggest snubs I thought from the entire game. He's been incredible this year, 21 saves, which I think places him top three in the American League. I have to double check on that one. But he, that comes with a 1.85 ERA and, and a near 30% strikeout rate. Really incredible year from him. I, I think it's a great story. I love when guys leave cores and and have that kind of success. Um, American League leaders, he's fourth behind Felix Bautista, Emmanuel Classe, and Jordan Romano. But it's been a, a really great year from Carlos Estevez. I'd love to see it. Um, the Angels already do have a couple selections there, so it wouldn't be like a, a team-only thing. But I, I really thought Estevez was, was very deserving this year. But I, I'd love to hear an argument against uh, I don't know if I have an argument uh, against Estevez. I think I just kind of like some of the other names better. Um, yeah. So what's the argument of Munoz over Carlos all right, Estevez? Munoz is just because let's he's he's the most electric reliever in all of baseball. He's, all right, then why, he's, why didn't you put Jordan Hicks on your National League one? Then? I know, but that's different. <laughs> Munoz, Munoz has pitched really well this year when and it's only been 15 innings. It's also in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, he he's it's if you you know take his fifteen games or innings pitch sample size and you know compare it to the rest of the league, he's the league leader in swinging strike rate. I mean, he he's the most electric guy in baseball, and I think it would be awesome to see him. You know, pitching in Seattle, you know, a lot of people probably, you know, more of the casual fans probably don't know who he is. So to see this guy just come out and be absolutely filthy against the best hitters in baseball would be fun to see. Mm -hmm. That was kind of just, uh, you know, I know I don't, you know, I know saves are a thing that people care about for, for these for this thing, which sure, I guess. But like. I'd rather, you know, that. I, you, well, how come Ryan? No one else picked Ryan Presley also, and it's Ryan Presley gets saves. He I has, didn't even feel like he was the best reliever on his team. I think that was <laughs> that was the big part. He has the best whip, and he has the best whip among relievers. Seventy percent gr- really? ground ball rate, seventeen point one percent swinging strike rate. Um, K rates thirty percent. I mean, he's had a little bad luck, but he he, he has been, you know. Metric wise, you know, when you're looking at some some of the X stats, he's been one of the best relievers in baseball. And the 70 percent ground ball rate shocked me. I'm like, I had to yeah. double check that. I had to. Yeah, that's new. Like just that, exactly s- right. That's that's a new. Yeah. <laughs> just when you said that, I pulled up his player page. Be like, that can't be true. He's got to be reading this wrong. But nope, third best ground ball percentage in all yeah. of baseball. That's this may just be more of me overlooking how good of a season Ryan Presley has had. Honestly, definitely not it looking was that, at it now. It was that cold start. Yeah. He did have that bad start, and then since then, just been quietly really, really good. Yeah, forget needing a Tiger representative. I might take Lang out for Presley after hearing that case. <laughs> That's fair. That's but fair. Uh, yeah, so we talked about those. We had, uh, you know, our two, I guess the ones we want to talk about for uh, fantasy are two guys that, are, you know, we talked about Cano. We said enough about him. Our who guy. We talked about me with uh, Brian Abreu. So I'll let you guys kind of talk about your who, kind of like you said, the Joe Mantiply, the. You know, under the radar name that's like, wait, he's an all-star? Oh, wait, yeah, he definitely deserves to be there. So, Jake, let's start with you since we've... Rex, we've heard about a few times, but uh, mm-hmm. we still want to talk about him a little bit more. But, Jake, let's get sure. to your guy. Yeah, I went with uh, a pretty obscure guy who's been having a very great season, and it actually comes off of a very solid season last year as well. He sort of doesn't fill the traditional stats that you want for fantasy in terms of strikeouts and holds. He's got just four holes. He's striking out just 23% of batters. But what he does do is he produces great ratios. He tosses a solid amount of innings. That's Eli Morgan. Been very good this year, coming off a breakout season last year. It's crazy that he's doing this because I think he's he's outperforming a lot of his underlying metrics. His strikeout to walk ratio has fallen somewhat precipitously, but that hasn't stopped him from posting a 1.77 ERA to go with a 1.18 whip and just being very solid throughout the year. I'd also like to give my honorable mention to Hector Neris, which I want to double check on the pronunciation yeah. there. Um, but He's been really good this year. I think he's second in baseball in ERA behind Felix Bautista. Um, it's Neris. Okay, cool. I got it right. Um, yeah, he, he's been really great this year and quietly so because we, we just talked about Ryan Presley and how great he's been. We, we all included Brian Abreu um, either on our teams or in our honorable, 
honorable mentions as one of the best relievers in baseball. And Hector Neris has quietly been incredible this year, 1.51 ERA. He's got 17 holds, which places him in the top five amongst relievers. Just really incredible this year. He's tied with Yenier Cano in terms of ERA, and he's sort of been better than him in every other facet of the game. So I, I think he deserves more love than he's gotten this year. I think he's quietly been uh, like a top 15 reliever this year. Yeah, so with the American League, I will actually let's move over to Rick. I didn't get a chance to give him do his uh his who player. So who's uh your call? Yeah, I went with Josh Spores. Um, but tonight is really devastating. And he wasn't that bad tonight. Three earned runs, two walks, but uh, he he is you know been pitching great lately. He's settled into a setup role for the Rangers, and you know. Pretty much, and I don't know what the, tonight's going to do to his ERA and WHIP, but you know he, his WHIP was at point nine two before tonight. Um, Thirty seven point five percent CSW leads all qualified relievers, and um, just an absolute you know sw- the bat missing machine. Um, that you know it, it finally took him. It took him a couple years to break out, but this is I still think this is his breakout season, and um. Would have been fun to see him as kind of, you know, someone who does people don't know about really, but there's really good stuff here and like this great swing and miss ability that, you know, would would be fun in an all-star game. Yeah, he's been great. And like I said, with the Texas, it's another name to keep in mind in fantasy for holds as uh, someone you want to keep an eye out. We They brought in Chapman, but... You know, still six, seven inning hold sort of guy. I can see Josh Spores being valuable for the North sorts of leagues. So, another name to monitor there. We'll take a quick break and we get back. We'll do this all over again. Go to the National League where, at least for the original six, we have a lot of agreement. All right, over to the National League where it's the same thing. We'll run through actually the first, the actual all stars are Alexis Diaz, Josh Hader, Devin Williams, Camilla Duvall, and David Bednar. And we all agreed. We have off have all five of those guys oh. on our team. Did I miss. Uh, did I, miss I don't have. De- I don't have Devin Williams. On Never my mind. Team. Rick didn't, yeah. didn't agree. So, um, <laughs> Rick, who did you? Oh, well, we did as six person. So, who do you have on in place of a uh, Devin Williams? So we, yeah, I guess we we all had you all had the five guys who were selected. Plus, we all we all also agreed to have Greg Kimbrell who. Craig Kimbrell definitely got stubbed. I, I'm sure he'll be a a replacement um, due to his. I mean, forty forty point three percent K rate, second or third best in baseball. Whip at one. I mean, he's been really good. But I uh, I also went with Evan Phillips. I think Evan Phillips. I, we talked about him a little bit earlier. Maybe the save numbers aren't great enough, but uh, two point five seven ERA, point eight six WHIP. Um, still strikes out. You know batters at a pretty good rate i i think devin williams just is, isn't there's a lot of he's still walking way too many guys and i think his whips now in like the 1.1 something category like range which is fine if you have like an elite strikeout rate but a striker rates kind of come down this year as well so I, I just think phillips is the better the more you know overall just just better reliever this season yeah more, more there you go that more well, well-rounded reliever this season um as Williams has definitely struggled lately. I think this is something that if this, if we were 
picking if they were picking the teams this week, that might change. But I think Williams, you know, Williams struggling over the past two weeks versus Phillips, like kind of breaking out the past two weeks. That's why we're here, right? Right where we are. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think I'm, I might have included him if he wasn't a Dodger. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> you know, got got to maintain I, my biases, guys. You know, that's what makes if me the Clay Holmes. Fan I am. If Clay Holmes deserved to be in here, I wouldn't have mind putting him here. You know, that's I, well. <laughs> I mean, that shows you're not a true Red Sox fan. <laughs> I'm. I wonder if Devin Williams. <laughs> I mean, he does have a one nine nine ERA. Let's not act like he's having such a bad season with 13% walk rate. That's a struggle. I wonder if Williams is because he was the lone brewer, unless I'm speaking out of term. I believe he was the only Milwaukee brewer uh, who made the team unless I'm yeah, that is correct. Because somebody else. Christian Yelich was snubbed. Yeah. He should have been out there too. I, I wonder if he gets traded. His name's been floated around a little bit more. I would love to see a deadline shocker and Christian Yelich on the move. Please come to New York. Yeah. Thank you very much. One, one, I mean, <laughs> sorry to uh, go off the topic of relievers, but one is Yelich's contract up. Uh, I don't know. I, feel like he I, has I thought he had signed years. a pretty long one. Yeah, He might have, a, maybe he has an opt out. I don't know, but I saw his name started to be floated around 20, there. 2028, 2029 mutual option. Yeah, Never mind. Gonna, Please don't come to New yeah. York. I can't have another long term <laughs> deal like that. Although yeah. He'd be great. But anyway, yeah. back to Back to relievers. Uh, Craig yes. Kimbrell was our final one who we all agreed on. Like we said, great mm-hmm. season, 40% K rate. Hopefully yep. he finds his way out there as a uh, a snub, so, or not a snub, a uh, replacement. So I mm-hmm. would love to see that. I almost put Jose Alvarado on, but once I looked <laughs> yeah. more into Craig Kimbrell, I was like, wait, no, Kimbrell, especially if we kind of talk about Jansen as the legacy pick. It would be cool to see Craig Kimbrell get on for maybe yeah. his final all-star team. But on to our honorable mentions, where there's a little more intrigue. We actually end the who sort of like Joe Mantiply. We have six different players there, so let's fire through those. Uh, Honorable mentions, just names that are worth mentioning and having under the radar. Really good seasons, and hey, does it be an all-star, shockingly? Yeah, um, I don't mind starting with uh, my honorable honorable mention. He's not the closer anymore, and again, I'm not really too worried about save totals for this, uh, for who's going to represent teams in the all-star game, so uh, Mark Leiter Jr. has been just been great this year. Um, 0.95 whip, 34.5% K rate. Uh, really, for a, a coming out of nowhere at age 32 to do this is like it, it's just kind of a it's a good story. I, I like the you know the guy who's bounced around multiple organizations, been in and out of baseball, and now just having a 34.5% K rate going into the All Star break. That's that's awesome. It's amazing to see that, especially given given how he's you know he doesn't throw particularly hard, but he just you know, mixes up pitches, throw that splitter has been a big swing and miss pitch for him. So uh, I think Mark Leiter would have been a fun kind of deserving addition for for, yeah. for the Cubs or for the yeah, All-Star Bear. Yeah, that's pretty fun. I went with a, a former Cub in David Robertson, who I been great all year long. 1.88 ERA, striking out a lot of batters, 30% exactly. Comes with a sub 8% walk rate. So the strikeout to walk rate has been great. 1.02 ear, whip there um so that it's been fun to see i think he does get that sort of legacy addition there too because he's been around for so long he's 38 so it's cool to see him still having so much success and you know been one of the better relievers in baseball for throughout his entire career which is great to see and he's been very very good for the mets this year despite not getting a ton of saves and sort of messing with fantasy managers hearts all year long i think that that shouldn't come into play when it comes into the all-star game and he's been 
a pretty deserving this year. It's, it was a really strong National League class in terms of relievers yeah. this year, so it would be tough for him to crack. And so that's why I have him as an honorable mention because in most years, a guy with a sub two ERA and a 30% strikeout rate being the closer for uh, a, a team throughout the year, I think he would probably have a better chance than, than he did this year. And my honorable mention is Tyler Rogers of the San Francisco Giants. We talk about great stories. Let's talk about a guy who has an 82.7 average fastball, leading the National League in holds, having a sub-2 ERA, eighth in baseball for relievers in innings at 44 innings, only 6% walk rate, XERA of 2.26. Just been absolutely dominant. I was going going back and forth between with Taylor Rogers with some of the more uh, fancy behind the metrics, behind you know underlying numbers. But just to flat out, Tyler Rogers has been dominant for the Giants. And like I said, a great story with his uh, funky delivery. How fun would it be seeing, you know, you go from 105 to 105 to be like, all right, let's get a sidewinder for throwing 83 miles per hour. It's like when, uh, is it Pat Neshek who made the all-star team at one point with that uh, sidearm? That would be just mm. fun to see. He's been very dominant for a surprising, you know, surprisingly good San Francisco Giants team. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, normally it's a, a Team, a pitcher who has a sub two ERA who leads the National League and holds may find his way onto an all star team, but he said the National League uh, pitching staff and relievers has been incredibly stacked. So yeah. I don't see a Tyler Rogers cracking on, but he's worth mentioning having a just a, a under the radar, really solid season outside of he doesn't strike people out, but he's mm. been really efficient. He's been better. He's had his strikeout rates ticked up this year, but even even without that, he he this is probably his best chance. I mean, he. It's yeah, it, it's not my, you know, I'm biased towards those non-strikeout, you know, sidewinder ground ball guys, but um for you know, what he does, it would that's like a I, I'll give an exception because he's so kind of he's different and it, it's, you know, it's just a, a different kind of, you know, thing to see out there on the mound. So it it would have been interesting to see him um and definitely deserves it the way he's a work workhorse for them in the bullpen. Um, even if there's no strikeouts, he, he pitches a lot of innings, gets a lot of holds, keeps that ERA down. So I guess I could go with my um, who pick, and this is definitely a who pick because I don't think most people know who this is that, Unless you're playing in deep fantasy leagues, and that's Stephen, or listening to our podcast, <laughs> or listening the to our podcast, <laughs> our podcast, and that's I know Stephen Okert, who has been, I mean, one of those, one of the four incredible lefties in the Miami Marlins bullpen. But I'll, I'll go with him because he's top twelve amongst relievers in WHIP with a point nine zero WHIP, and also K percentage with a thirty four point five percent K rate. Um just incredible 2.61 ERA is it's good it's 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 fine it's definitely deserving if he had if he had 10 saves he would definitely be in the all-star game um but yeah that's not the case so no one really knows about him um behind you know AJ Puck or another person who might be mentioned a little bit later in that bullpen um mm-hmm. so yeah I, I Stephen O'Court I've been big on him since last season and I, I, I he would be he would be it would be awesome to just see him I as I could just picture people being like who is this guy on the NL roster and like yeah it's Stephen O'Court man that's yeah <laughs> he's, he's been yeah right now he's still get, I think in our pitcher pitcher page he still has yeah he still has a Giants hat on yeah nice <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, it, it was pretty crazy when PLV, the PLV projections yeah. called him out as like 
one of the biggest overperformers from his regular projections, and so far that's that's come true. So I guess you got got to trust the PL projections going into the next year. So that was a, a great call there. Um, so for some from somebody who broke out at finally at the age of how old is, how old is he? 31 we yeah. go to a guy who is sort of having a breakout year at an even older age this one is sort of more of a fun pick uh, i don't think this guy was probably really deserving of an all-star selection but he definitely deserves that mention of he was incredible this Chris year prior Party. to being injured yeah. yeah definitely great story he, he we haven't seen him pitch for a couple weeks but jesse chavez was really having a great first half prior to getting injured he had a 1.55 era which was the best of his career it came with a 30.8 percent strikeout rate which was like almost a 10 percent jump from his career rate prior to this year and that's crazy to see the guy is 39 years old and to see him taking this big step i, I don't think anybody knew what was going on there was definitely a little bit of luck there but it wasn't a crazy amount he was posting the lowest exit of his of his career as well and that was a lot of fun to watch to just see him just continue to pitch well and i mean at this rate if you're having your career best year at 39 uh who knows how long this guy's gonna be pitching for but i can't wait to see him get back on the mound later this year and continue to be one of the key members in that braves bullpen i remember mentioning him early in the season i forget what exactly the segment but kind of looking at be like geez all this good season jesse chavez is and you know, if you play the Immaculate Grid, he's another name you want to throw out there for everything because he's played for half the league, it feels like. But uh, yeah, just a great story for him. And my final, you know, great story, Rick alluded to, is a, another lefty in that Miami Marlins bullpen. It's Tanner Scott. I was, you know, I've known he's having a good season, but you look at, you know, swinging strike, or swinging strike rate, he's near, let's say he's 17th um, among relievers right now. He's, 10th in K percentage of 36.7. He's 12th in CSW of 35.4%. You know, just a lot of XERA 2.73, actually area of 307, but he's been extremely dominant. I did not ever expect Tanner Scott to be this elite, elite strikeout reliever. And now we see him 10th best uh, K percentage in all major baseball among relievers for a Marlins team. That's been an extreme surprise. So, you know, I wanted to just shout him out for really turning himself into an absolute beast in that back end in the bullpen and like Rick said three four great lefties in the Miami Marlins bullpen guys please get another bat and let's see what the Marlins can possibly do for a possible postseason push I would love to see that it's been a great story with how well they've been playing in one in one run games and it's because they have these amazing guys in the back end of their bullpen so uh, you know, definitely won't get it on but a name that deserves to be shout out just how dominant he's been this season yeah, I mean Scott. I, I was trying to get Scott on there. Um, I was kind of looking, and I didn't wasn't sure. I kind of wanted to just put just make have a reason to talk about Stephen Okert again. But um, yeah, Scott's also deserving, and the way he's he's finally kind of figured out how to you know limit the walks, but he, he's still able to you know keep his swing and miss stuff in check, and and. and get a ton of strikeouts with it he's he's been a great uh breakout story this season as well yeah if you have any other relievers you want to throw out there as Zern to make the all-star team as always find us on twitter hit us up tag us if there are other names going on we'll obviously be shouting these guys out i'm sure at later points in the season but definitely an interesting look into underrate our names of course the obvious names that could and should possibly be on an all-star roster but let's wrap up as we always do jake has Trying to challenge us again. Let's have another edition of Name That Closer. 
Yep, we got a more recent one, so this one shouldn't be too hard, but this closer played from 2009 to 2021. He's a right-handed pitcher. He was drafted by the Rays in the third round of the 2004 draft out of a high school in Florida. He didn't become a reliever until his last year in Tampa Bay, which was in 2012, and then he was traded to the Royals prior to the next year in 2013. He broke out with the Royals in 2014, then had his best year in 2015. That year, he tossed 67 and a third innings with 78 strikeouts, a 0.94 ERA and a 0.79 whip to go with 27 saves. And then he was traded to the Cubs prior to the next season, which was 2016. And then he increased his save total every year until 2018 and signed with the Rockies prior to 2018. Um, And then he finished out his career in Kansas City. Uh, His black ink includes leading the National League in saves with the Rockies. In 2018, he had 43 saves, and he also led the National League in games finished with 63. And his accolades were finishing fourth in American League Rookie of the Year award voting in 2010. He was a three-time All-Star in 15, 16, and 17. He finished sixth in AL Cy Young award voting and 28th in AL MVP award voting in 2015, and also eighth in AL Cy Young award voting in 2014. And he was also the 2015 World Series champion with the Royals and he wrapped up his career with 10.3 baseball reference war, a 3.94 ERA, a 1.30 whip, and 141 saves. Guys, who is that closer? Yeah, it's uh, yeah <laughs> I mean, no, you, you go, okay. I mean, yeah, we kind of stuffed this one out early. <laughs> yeah, once you said the uh, Tampa Bay Rays finished up his career and went right to the mm-hmm. Royals, that's when it kind of stuck with me. It is a World Series champion wade davis good call did Traded. he yeah did he get the fuck was he he was on the mound for the final out of that world series right am i remembering right because that team had for, like an amazing reliever yeah for the race no for the royals yeah. oh for the yeah yeah that's what i meant the royals, yeah, yeah i, I just it's uh, a good question i mixed it up with like him greg allen calvin herrera all the great guys i had in that pen i oh, think it was, it was him holland. but could have been holland but Might have been holland. I, yeah <laughs> Can't remember. Uh, final out of the 2014 <laughs> World Series. Um, yeah, let's I see. Oh, 2014. I meant 2015. Wow, this is <laughs> great straight content. on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't <laughs> know why sure. it's such a big deal, but it's like, okay, I'm kind of curious now. Yeah, it but. looks like it was it was Davis. Okay, yeah. Want to start? Yeah. He had some he had some success with the Cubs and b- before he kind of he got paid. I mean the Rockies paid him nicely yeah. and um, mm-hmm. good for him for that. So yeah, he didn't really do much after that. Yeah, I incorrectly said he got traded to the Cubs prior to 2016. It was prior to 2017. He was not on yeah. that team when they won the World Series. Yeah, and as the Rockies adequately do, they pay big money for somebody that <laughs> maybe yep. probably shouldn't have gotten the big money contract but good for him he had a very solid career a lot of fun name that i'm gonna keep in mind going forward as i uh try and uh get the perfect grid and uh mm, smack the yeah. grid go so but as always if you do have any questions for us need some reliever content you can find me on twitter at callan underscore elsleger and the show at in the pen pod guys who has always plug where you can find on twitter any other exciting work you got going on as we you know, make it ourselves in. It's our final show of the first half of the MLB season. Yeah, I. You can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham. Um, still doing, you know, doing weekly rankings list, and I'm sure I'm not sure if AI will be doing it, but we're 
our reliever team as a collective, we're probably going to put some sort of save speculation, you know, post trade deadline article out because, you know, we're getting into that time of year where you got to start putting, putting some, some speculative ads, you know, onto your roster before closers are traded. So, and I'm sure we'll talk about that soon as well in one of our podcasts, but um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I got going on. Nice. And you can follow me at Jake Crumpler. I'm doing the first pitch pod for pitcher list every weekend. Uh, so you can catch me there on Saturday and Sunday. And then I also do some reliever ranks articles throughout the week and I, I'll have some one-off articles from now, now and then, uh, but you can find all of my work at crumplerbaseball.com. Yeah. And like Rick said, we'll be getting into some more trade deadline coverage as we, as we move forward. There's a lot of names that could be on the move over the next couple of weeks, and we'll want to get you ready for that, as well as all the movings and happenings at the closer position going forward. So thanks again for tuning in to this episode of In the Pen, and we'll catch you next week. Enjoy your All-Star break, everybody.